ESPN 1420, ESPN1420.com, and the ESPN 1420 app. Welcome back into the Great Scott Show, the Great Sports Callers Open Think Tank. And as promised, joining me now, a guy who is really busy during football season and now gearing up for the postseason, the New Orleans dot football um, one man show. Nick Underhill covers the Saints, and uh, many of you listening know his work, whether you follow him on Twitter, whether you subscribe to New Orleans Football, which you know I can't recommend enough. Good morning, Nick. It's playoff week, man. How you feeling? Uh, it's crazy that we're here, actually. It feels like just uh, yesterday everybody was stressing about the season actually happening and, and they got all, all the games in, which is, is unbelievable and feels like it went way too fast. I tell you what, getting all the games in, man. Poor Cleveland. You know, news gets out yesterday that their head coach will be out and a few players, one of their starting old linemen, uh, I know we're backtracking a little bit here, and Coach Payton didn't really want to talk about COVID at all, but the fact that Kamara tested positive heading into the last week of the season and the running back room wasn't available, it 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 it, it sucks that it happened, but do you feel like in a weird way it was, it was kind of a blessing in disguise for him, assuming Kamara plays Sunday, which at this point is no guarantee, but in that it's right before the postseason, so now Payton can really – just hammer home the importance of guys don't screw this up yeah i mean you would definitely rather have everybody buy in and not have to go through that but if they get him on the field and it ends up being no big deal and it is the wake-up call that everybody needs to lock in just just for a month just stay home for a month don't do anything don't go anywhere you can win a super bowl just stay home yeah i mean I think it it allows him to hammer in the message because, you know, after a while you start cruising through it and it becomes almost like, you know, it, it isn't real for a while there, even the media, we were going over there and, and testing every single day. You know, they stopped that about a month ago because they, they started practicing inside exclusively and the league put out a mandate saying, you know, the media couldn't go into indoor practices. But I did say that to say as, as we were going through that and you're getting tested every day, you know, you, you just start to get real comfortable with what's going on. And it's just like, oh, well, everybody's tested. And you go out to practice and, you know, maybe you aren't as cognizant as the six feet, you know, between you and the other guy or the other person as you were in the first week as you are in week 10. Because it's just every day you're going through this and it's okay and it's okay and it's okay. And I assume the same thing happens for the players. You, you kind of get into this false sense of security that everything's all good and you, you get a little bit lax. So, yeah, I, I definitely think that, you know, he can use this to his advantage. You know, he, he said before the season, and I think it rings truer than ever, and, and the Saints situation is a good reminder. Cleveland situation is a good reminder. You know, he, he said that as they get into the playoffs, the team that manages the virus better than anybody else could end up being the team that ends up stealing the Super Bowl. And they might not be the most talented team, but if they can keep all their players on the field and other teams aren't, that could be the difference. And, you know, I, this is a, a very good wake-up call for them. Uh, you know, we'll see if Alvin plays. I, I, I think he will. You know, he's a very smart person. I think that he can probably follow the install on Zoom calls or whatever, be able to pick it up and go out there and do it. But, you know, it, it, it's not it's not the ideal situation. You know, the whole season they haven't had their team on the field together. Um, you know, it's been since week halftime of week two or, or you know, whatever. So it's uh, – it's a tough situation for, for them. They're going to go out here. They're going to try to debut their offense without everyone practicing together in the first week of the playoffs, which is insane. But I do think they'll be able to handle it. And 
it is a, you know, quite possibly, as you said, maybe a little bit of a blessing in disguise. Well, it feels by all accounts like a, a swan song for Drew Brees. No better way to uh, go out than, than on top if he can. The Saints have a lot of work to do if they want to win a Super Bowl. Nick Underhill, our guest. So I want to kind of unpack the outlook for the postseason, Nick, and then dig a little bit more into the Bears. And, and I read uh, your in-depth piece yesterday on, you know, just the analysis and, and what the Bears do and a lot of their tendencies um, on defense. Really good read. Folks that want to get prepared for the game, they can go check it out. But heading into the postseason, COVID aside, I think the biggest concern from from me, and I've been saying it for about six weeks and others, is the interior of the offensive line. Now, I say that, and I have memories of how the last two postseasons ended, and I remember a few weeks ago Sean Payton by name calling out Andrews Pete, and yet he's gone out and, and looked tremendous the last few weeks and, and looked really good last Sunday. Uh, right guard is still a question mark. I think you tweeted, this isn't the interior of the O-line, but on the outside, you know, Armstead's playing as well as any player in the league, hands down at any position the last few weeks. So the O-line playing well going into this, but I still, my biggest concern in terms of just this roster is the interior of the O-line in the playoffs. Do you lean somewhere else? Are you, you going to try to justify my statement or make me feel better and talk me off of it? Where are you going with this? No, I, I think I would agree with you. I think that's kind of maybe the one question mark for the, the team overall is is that interior protection. And, you know, they had Nick Easton in here the last game. They went back to him. I, I didn't think he had a very good game. Um, you know, I thought Ruiz was, was starting to look a little bit better, but apparently they disagreed or they liked something about this matchup better with, with Easton in this game. But both those guys have, have been a little bit shaky, you know, off and on all throughout the year. They, they've had it each had a couple games where they looked really good. And then some games where they looked terrible. And, you know, frankly, it's three or four plays in a game, bad plays out of 65 is going to make you look really bad. And those three or four plays could be the ones that, you know, get breeze hit and he gets hurt and that ends your, your run. So, yeah, I, I think it's a huge concern. Um, Akeem Hicks was hurt a little bit heading into the last uh, Bears Saints game. He's healthy now. So that's going to be a, a tougher matchup or did pretty okay against him in the previous meeting I think he gave up three pressures to him but you know he lines up over that that right guard and whoever's in there is going to have to you know that that's the key to the game and on the other side they got the other good interior rusher the names escape me um the law I believe his name is he, he's had a good season too so it's just across the board you know those guys are going to have to hold up if if you know they, they end up playing the Rams you're looking at Aaron Donald possibly that's another really Big matchup. So, yeah, I think, you know, as you look at the whole roster outside of, you know, Breeze and Michael Thomas getting on the same page, Kamara being able to get, you know, out here and play, I, I really do think that is the one question for for the team. And it's it's been there the whole year. It's been the question ever since training camp and right up until the end. You know, we're going to be wondering if that spot's going to hold up. So, uh, you know, nothing has really changed there. That, that story hasn't evolved. It's just, you know, every week you, you just kind of see who they put out there and, you know, wonder if they're going to hold up. And the answer's got to be yes more than no uh, if they want to get to where they want to be. No question. Nick Underhill, our guest from New Orleans Football. Anders Pete, uh, you know, you, you, you watch the tape, Nick. You spend a lot of time watching film for your film studies. Does Does it seem like he kind of, responded to Sean Payton publicly calling him out? Because I know he is the um, the brunt of a lot of 
animosity via Saints Twitter, but it does seem like at least you know last week and, and, and some of the week before he's playing much better than he was prior to being called out. Yeah, in these last couple of weeks, he's been able to get out into space and make plays, and that's when he looks his best is when he can get down the field and maul people. And the way he plays, you, you notice when he succeeds and you notice when he fails. There's never plays where you don't notice him. You know, it's just he, he goes for big hits, and he plays probably too much over his, his toes. And, you know, what I mean by that is, like, he, he gets leaning forward, and, like, when he hits somebody and he lays them out, you, you see it. Like, the guy's just – he kills people, but then when they can get a counter punch on him because he's so far out over his toes, you know, he ends up on his backside and you notice that too. He isn't just like, you know, a normal interior guy getting pushed off and then someone's in the backfield and you're looking at the play, you know, and then looking up at the replay to see who gave up the pressure. You know, he gave up the pressure. And I think after Sean called him out, he had a couple of plays in that game. And it was a there was a screen pass and there was another play and there were plays out in space where where he he missed his blocks and he looked really really bad and, and the play got blown up and those aren't usually plays that you see him making mistakes on those are usually the plays where you know he he earns his his you know the the offensive line gurus on, on the internet love the guy and like those are for the plays you know when he's out in space and killing people leading the way on a screen or an outside zone run or you know something out in space. But, yeah, I, I do think that he's played a little bit better since being called out. I think he deserved to be called out. Um, you know, it, it was starting to happen a, a little bit too often. And, you know, at some point I, I do wonder if somebody's ever going to – and maybe you just can't change who he is at this point and, and you live with it. But I do wonder if somebody's ever going to be able to, to kind of, you know, reel him in just a little bit to where he's not necessarily taking these huge swings. You know, it's like it's like a boxer, like trying to throw – like a, a huge right hook. And if somebody does get that counter punch, you know, on his opposite cheek, like he's going to get knocked out. And that's what happens to the Pete. Someone just needs to teach him, you know, like how to protect his face a little bit better. So he's not taking that punch. And when that happens, I, I think that you're going to see, you know, maybe a little bit of a change in there aren't these plays where it's so obvious that he made a mistake, but you know, they, they paid for that potential in, Dan Rauschar is a great offensive line coach, but for whatever reason, you know, Pete just kind of is who he is, and, and, you know, maybe he did need that wake-up call. Nick Underhill of New Orleans.Football, our guest, ESPN 1420. Last O-line question for you, just Teron Armstead. I mean, I, I see things online. I've, I've always been a fan since his rookie year. Um, you know, Gus Cagnell, a friend of mine, I remember when Teron made his first start uh, in the rain against Seattle, and and it might not have been his first start, but he got he got basically put into a, a playoff game, and he's this third round pick at a small school, and that was back when Seattle's D line was ferocious. It's in the elements of the playoffs, and he just completely shut down an elite pass rusher. And I've always said, look, when this guy's healthy, he is as athletic as there is in the in the NFL at any position, much less offensive line. And the question has always been health, and I feel like he's played through a lot of injuries and. Maybe he gets a bad rap when he misses time, um, but but heading into the postseason, I mean, you, based on some of the things you've seen, Nick, you feel like he might be playing the best ball of his career right now. Yeah, he he's been really good the last few weeks, and he's just making plays that people can't make. I'm sure everybody by this point has seen, you know, the clips of him uh, from Alvin's six touchdown game. You know, the the play where he's blocking the guy. 10 yards over the, the sideline, uh, laying a guy out in the end zone. 
this last game, he, he spotted a guy rushing around uh, the right edge. Ryan Ramchuk's out of the line, cut across behind the line, hit the block, just gave Breeze just enough time to get the pass off before uh, he gets sacked. I mean, he's just been he's been incredible the last few weeks, and he always plays really well. But I think it's just been kind of uh, at a different level at this point. And look, I mean, the, the health is the big thing with him. You know, I I don't necessarily think I would say that he's uh, playing at full health. I think he's probably fighting through some things at, at this point. But you can't tell. And you know, for him to be peaking heading into the playoffs, I think that's huge for them because. You know, in the past, it's kind of been like he's he's just trying to finish the season. You know, he's fighting things, playing at 70% or whatever. And it looks like, you know, there's a deterioration. Uh, you don't see that this year. And they get Alvin out there, and he's playing well. They got the healthy running game, too. And that could be a huge benefit for them, having those two guys. I'm, I'm not sure that they, they've had them both, you know, peaking at, at this point in the year uh, the last three seasons. So, if they can rely on, you know, Alvin to run the ball behind, you know, Toronto Armstead when things get tough, I, I think that gives them a little bit of an edge that they haven't had before. ESPN 1420.com and the ESPN 1420 app. I'm Scott Prather. We're visiting with Nick Underhill at Nick underscore Underhill on Twitter. Got the verified blue check mark. Give him a follow if you're not already. Check out NewOrleans.football for all of his great content, which I've always said he puts stuff out there that you can't get elsewhere. And that's what, that's what separates it. That's what makes it good. And that's what I think Saints fans love about it. Um, Nick, I, on the other side of the ball, on the D-line, it seems like every time I've talked to you monthly since you know the preseason to now, we've spent a good bit of time talking about Trey Hendrickson and Marcus Davenport. And Hendrickson you know, finishes tied for second in the league in sacks. And, and Davenport, when he initially came back, didn't play early in the season because of the injury, seemed like he was making a big impact. But as of late, I, he's leaving a lot to be desired. What are you seeing? I mean, you're, you're taking a deeper look than me. Where is Where are you at with Davenport right now heading into the postseason? Because if he can play up to a high level, gosh, he's such a difference maker. But right now it's just – He's at least from what I'm seeing, he's just not living up to that expectation. I'm uh, simultaneously disappointed in in kind of the way uh, Davenport is produced, but also not as down on him as, as I think some other people are. You know, I think with him, he I, I would put it like this: I think he has too many almost plays, and you know, he, he's creating pressure, but they aren't turning into sacks. This last game, he was knocking on the door a lot, and just you know, it didn't really become anything. Like he's he's in the area, and you see it. Oh, okay, there's Davenport. That's a good play, but like it doesn't do anything. And he needs to figure out how to make those pressures more impactful, get there a little bit quicker, something. Um, you know, I I thought that he would you know possibly push for double digit sacks, and like you said, when he first came back, it, it looked good. You saw the impact, and then it got quiet for a while, and I think he's starting to ramp up a little bit, but it's it's definitely not enough and it's not it's not what you were hoping for he shouldn't be getting outplayed by you know uh trey hendrickson he's someone they invested two first round picks then you, you need more out of him you need him to be the guy that that helps you you know get to where you want to go in the postseason and, and he doesn't look like that right now so he needs to get it going a little bit more i, w- I would agree with that wholeheartedly um you know hendrickson is, is playing outstanding you know he, he gets it done every single week you know, that's probably the guy that we should have been hyping back in October instead of Davenport when he came back. So, you know, 
he, he's been really good. Carl Granderson started playing really well, you know, in a sporadic role. He's, he's done quite a bit and he's probably been more active than Davenport has on a per snap basis. Um, so, I mean, if, if they can get him going just a little bit more, just, just get that, you know, those pressures, get them, get them to turn into something. They got a lot of good options in the past year. It's just, it's just not consistent. And, you know, at this point, this far into his career, I, I think that, you know, I think it's fair to say that patience is expiring or it has expired. And it's just, you know, it's time to do it. And it's time to stop talking about, you know, what this guy could be or the maybes or the ifs. Like, it just has to happen at this point. And, and you know, this is where they need him. So, yeah, I'm with you. He's got to step it up. He's, he's got to do better in the postseason. Nick Underhill, our guest, will take a quick timeout when we come back, discuss the impact of all the players expected to return to the Saints this Sunday when they start the playoffs against the Bears, and more specifically, some insight from Nick into this matchup with the Bears. He did an 18-hour film study on Chicago, both sides of the ball. You want all of the goods. Go check out it. Go check it out at NewOrleans.Football, but we'll go over some of the Cliff's Notes versions when we come back right after this, it's the Great Scott Show. Wednesday morning, counting down closer to kickoff. Only five days away, Saints-Bears in the playoffs. It's ESPN1420.com. We'll be right back right after this. And welcome back, everybody. I'm Scott Prather. Thanks for listening to ESPN1420.com and the ESPN1420 app and uh, chatting with us now. We continue our conversation with Nick Underhill at Nick underscore Underhill on Twitter. I'd imagine if you're a Saints fan, you're already following him, but just in case, or if you're new to Twitter, you can check out uh, his tweets there and uh, links back to his site, his articles, uh, his podcast, stuff like that. Nick, Michael Thomas, uh, Deontay Harris, Marcus Williams, Patrick Robinson, um, CD Deuce, AKA Chauncey Gardner Johnson, AKA CJ Johnson. What like, all of these guys returning, that's a, typically when you go into the playoffs, you, you might be losing a handful of guys. And I know the Saints aren't healthy across the board, but it does seem a little odd that they're getting so many guys back for the playoffs. Um, I guess my first question is, do you expect some rust or do you expect a, a big net positive right out the gate on Sunday? I think it should probably be a pretty net positive. Um, if it was a different wide receiver, I would be a little bit concerned about the chemistry and getting back on the same page. And it might take a little bit to do that. But the one thing I, I think that that's different about Mike, and I think what makes Mike great and different than everybody else is that he's so consistent and mechanical and, and everything he does. And he's always going to be exactly where you expect him to be. He's going to get there the same way every single time. And I don't think there's a lot of surprise with, the way he does things and that, that makes it a little bit easier. Um, you know, and I, I do think that him and Breeze have enough time together that they should be able to, you know, through a week of practice, even if it takes a little bit of time after practice, I think they should be able to dial that back in pretty quick. You know, it's not like Breeze trying to get on the same page with Emmanuel Sanders or I don't expect that you'll see, you know, when he came back, him and Jared Cook, weren't on the same page. They, they were reading some option routes, you know, different ways. Cook was seeing it one way. Breeze was seeing it another. I, I, don't, I just don't think that you're going to see that kind of stuff happen with Mike Thomas. I, I think that he's, I guess, the work, you know, mechanical. It's, it's just the way he goes about things is, is just so predictable. Um, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson should be okay. Um, you know, Deontay Harris returning kicks, if he is able to come back, and he seemed to allude to uh, – 
his return through a, a tweet this week. I, I don't know if we should read into that or not. It's been hard to get info on, on his situation, but it sounds like he could be coming back. I, you know, I, I don't think that's going to be a big deal either. Like you just, you, you catch it and you return it. I, if he's in shape and he should be, you know, I don't think that's an issue either. So yeah, but like you said, it is a little bit weird that they're in this spot um, heading into the playoffs. And, you know, my read on it is that I think they prioritized health over going after that number one seed. I think they wanted the number one seed. I think you would, you know, prefer to avoid Green Bay in January. But if you are weighing going to Green Bay and playing a game with only a handful of fans in a season where home field advantage doesn't exist really – versus playing that team healthy, you know, I think you, you choose health over over the bye, over not going on the road. So, you know, to me, it just kind of felt like that's what they did. Anybody that, that was a little bit nicked up, I think they erred on the side of caution, let them rest, let them get better, and, you know, they're going to go into the playoffs as close to 100% as they can. And, you know, we'll see if it's the right decision. In, in theory, I, I tend to agree with it. You know, I, I know everybody's like, Oh, Green Bay, there's a snow game the other day. Look, I covered the Patriots for, for five years. Um, I never covered a snow game. Like the odds of it snowing that heavy on the day of a game during the game at a point where they can't get the field clear. Like, it's just, they don't happen a whole lot. You don't see a whole lot of those games every year. And, you know, like Buffalo exists, like there should be snow on the field every time, but there isn't because that's just how weather works. So, you know, I say this and it's going to blow up in my face and they're going to go to Green Bay and play <laughs> right. in a blizzard. But, like, you know, it's just not something you really – it's just you got to worry about playing in the cold. And I think this team can play in the cold. You know, they, they run the ball well. they got a good offensive line. Um, you know, everybody makes comments about air yards. Well, your ball control offense, that plays in, in cold weather. It plays in the snow. So, you know, I think they should be able to go out there and, and win a game. It's better if you play them in the dome. But I would take healthy Mike Thomas, healthy Deontay Harris, healthy everybody in Green Bay over injured guys in the dome. So, uh, you know, just watching it and seeing how they went about things, that was kind of my read on it. Yeah, and, and you know, to get there first, who knows how it would play out if you do get to the title game. Maybe Green Bay gets upset. Um, Green Bay is interesting. I mean, I, that's a topic I won't get deep into, but they're good without question, and Aaron Rodgers is, is incredible. But I have a coworker that's a lifelong Packers fan, and I, I said early in the season to him, I'm like, you know, Green Bay this year is kind of built more like a – a dome team. Now, granted, they can run the ball. I think they finished eighth in the league while the Saints finished sixth. But uh, just in terms of how they want to play and their style of defense and Aaron Rodgers, it's like they're obviously used to playing in the cold because they have to do it. But this year, you know, you think Saints, you think Packers, obviously Brady, excuse me, Breeze and Rodgers are going to be the headlines. But these are two teams that like to run the football. And then defensively, you know, the Saints have, have been really strong. Defense is the strength for their opponent this Sunday, Nick. I think the Bears, they have some playmakers. They have some strength there. Offense is where they've had some struggles this year. But in in your breakdown of the Bears, um, and I read your article yesterday, my, my question is, was there, some, was there anything that surprised you? Before you put on the tape and watched all of the Bears' plays from this season, was there something that you just weren't expecting to see that you did? They got some some versatility with their outside linebackers. You know, I didn't expect to see like Quinn chipping Devontae Adams last week uh, before he, he went out on his route. So dropping into coverage as, as as much as he did. So you know that that was that was one thing. They got Mingo. He he does some of that stuff. Um, 
So they got some versatility there, but no, not, not really overall. I mean, they, they do do a lot of stuff, and I think that's kind of their identity that they can throw a lot at you. And I do think that stuff is effective, you know, based on who you're playing. The Saints kind of, you know, have the same ethos and, and do a lot of the same stuff, play a lot of coverages, uh, maybe not as many as Chicago. You know, Chicago, you know, in, in a given game, you're going to see, you know, six different types of uh, coverage, and they, they make it all look the same. And, you know, I, I think that might be, you know, harder on a, on a, on a Tua or, or somebody like that, you know, a young quarterback. You go in there and you're trying to read it and, where the safety's going is they're showing two safeties, you know, what coverage is this? And then one drops down and it's actually a single high look, you know, stuff like that, I think gives a, a younger quarterback a hard time. But, you know, you see last week, Aaron Rodgers isn't going to be fooled by that. He's seen it all. He, he knows how to decipher it. He knows how to see the keys. And even if it takes, you know, an extra quarter second, an extra half second for them to establish what they're doing and show their hand, he's not going to panic during that time and he's going to allow it to happen. And, you know, obviously Drew Brees is, is the same style of quarterback and I don't think he's going to be fooled by any of that stuff. He, he wasn't last time. He won't be this time, uh, you know, but they do that stuff on the line too. They show a lot of, you know, five defensive linemen looks. It's sometimes hard to tell where, where pressure is going to come from, but I, you know, I don't think any of this stuff is really going to fool the saints. You know, they're a solid unit on that side of the ball, but you know, on paper, you know, matchup for matchup, I, I think the Saints, you know, definitely should be able to move the ball and, and do what they got to do if, you know, they get one of the two guys back. I don't even think they need both. If they have Mike or if they have Alvin, I think they're okay. And they might even be okay without both. But, you know, I think with one of them, it, it's, it's, a, it's a matchup they can win. Yeah, as, as you pointed out, you know, some of Chicago's coverage tendencies and uh, they love <clears> – <throat> they just – Cover one, slants, crossing routes, hitches, out routes, and guess who does that really, really good? That'd be Michael Thomas. He's he's a guy that always plays with such a big chip and uh, takes things personal. And I know not having much time on the field this season, especially with Drew Brees, uh, the postseason, everything, you know, it all gets elevated. And the way the last few postseasons have ended have been uh, disappointment doesn't really even begin to describe or do justice to how the Saints seasons have ended and how the fan base has felt, how the franchise has felt. I, I, I have a feeling, Nick, that Michael Thomas, if he's healthy, is I just have a feeling he's about to have a monster postseason. I hope I'm right, but I just get that feeling, man. He's, I feel like he's going to be locked in, and um, after you know, kind of sitting on the sidelines for a while, I feel like he's going to be ready to just let off a lot of steam. But I think that's good for the Saints because when he zones in and, and channels all of that energy, I think we were talking about him a few months ago, and I, I compared him to Christian Bale, right? The things that make him great as, a, as an actor also are the things that maybe get him in trouble on the set a little bit. That was after Michael punched C.D. Deuce. But I, I think you're about to have a, a Christian Bale Oscar-worthy performance for Michael Thomas this postseason. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think football matters to him than anything, more to him than anything in the world, and not having it. Um, you know, I, I know he cares about how he's perceived and where he ranks in the league and all that stuff, and this year definitely hasn't been the year that he wants to have. But, look, you can go out there, you play four great games, you get your numbers, you carry the team to a Super Bowl. No one's going to care that you had a lost regular season. You know, you, you can make up for it that way. And, you know, I think he knows that, and I think he, he's itching to do it. Um, you know, I think part of the decision to, to go away for three weeks was with that in mind, was to get healthy and to get ready for the playoffs. You know, it, if you watch the way he was playing earlier this year, you, you know, against Denver, against some other 
teams, uh, Philadelphia, you know, if you just really dial in on, on how he's running his routes, you, you can see that he was affected and, and he wasn't quite the same. He didn't have the same, you know, the thing that makes him special is, is his cuts and what he can do at the top of his routes coming out of his breaks. It wasn't there. Like, he was still succeeding because he's, you know, a very good player, but, like, he, he didn't have the otherworldly special trait. And, you know, I think he, he knew that. Earlier this season when he first got hurt, he didn't want to go on IR. This time I think it was, you know, more he, he knew what he needed to do to get ready for the playoffs and, and decided to take a step back. So, you know, I think it's exactly what you said. He he, he just kind of had a season where things didn't go his way, and now he, he wanted to take the time and get ready to go out and, and do what he has to do. And, you know, for the Saints, they need him to do that. You know, if he's out there and he's playing well, Alvin's healthy, you know, they got probably two of the best, you know, I don't, I don't know where they'd rank in the NFC, but those are probably two of the best five offensive weapons uh, in the playoffs right now. So if both those guys are going good, like it, it's going to be uh, a lot more likely they get to go uh, where they want to go. Nick Underhill has been our guest guys. Check him out at new Orleans football on Twitter at Nick underscore uh, underscore Underhill or at no.football straight for the site. Some tweets there as well. Nick, my final question to you before we let you run, and we appreciate the time this morning. Uh, as always, I'll probably have a long-winded way of getting to it, but you know, for, you made me think of it a second ago when you talked about Michael Thomas, and if he ha- has a monster postseason, no one's really going to remember the lost regular season. And someone asked me over the weekend, they said, look, if the Saints don't win the Super Bowl, do you think folks will look at this season as a success? And I said, no, not yet. I think years from now, Folks will look back at the 2020 season, regardless of what happens here, whether it be this Sunday or over the next month, and say, wow, that was a really good season. And Sean Payton maybe was his best coaching job when you consider all the different things they had to juggle. But in the moment, no. If the season ends and it's not a Super Bowl, when you're a team that consistently said Super Bowl or bust, that's the goal. When you got Drew Brees and this, this appears to be it, when you've got that window that's still open just a little and you need to strike while you can before it closes and, and you've got all these guys that are due contracts or might not be back next year, like this is the moment. And I think all of that built up just leads to a lot of anxiety for Saints fans because they've dealt with a lot of disappointment the last few years in the postseason. And, uh, and, and I think they just want this for obviously themselves. I mean, let's face it, fans want to win. We're all kind of selfish. But for Drew Brees as well in the organization. So with all of that, Nick, um, what what chances do you give the Saints here, not just of, of, of getting to the Super Bowl, but potentially winning it here and, and capping off, you know, you win two. Boy, that puts Peyton Breeze, that puts so many other just things into different categories if you get another ring. Well, to the point you were making, I, I think it's it's valid, too, just about the distance and everything. Like, in the moment – you know, the narrative kind of is that this is like a one-and-done choke playoff team, and that's really not been the case since 2017. And I think you kind of got to start over with the new era and the evaluation at, at 2017. You know, the stuff that happened against San Francisco or, you know, Marshawn Lynch, like that has no bearing on the Trey Hendrickson Saints, you know, like that's that's a whole different team. You know, the punter and the quarterback were there, but who else was? So if you set it over at 17, you know, th- it took a freak play in 17 to knock them out. Uh, the next year – you know, fans were in the street protesting because of a, of a call. And then last year was a horrible game. And, you know, they came out flat and lost the game. They should have won. But still people talk about, like, it's, ah, they always lose the first game. Like, no, they, they really don't. That's, that's not a, 
valid narrative for this edition of the Saints. So, so yeah, they don't win it this year. I, I, I do think it's, it's going to be viewed as a disappointment. And I think in time you would look back and it's everything you said. Oh, Sean did such a great job. They had all this adversity. They overcame it, this and that. But, you know, for, for this window, if Breeze does retire, you know, they have too much talent. And I do think that, that you would look at it like it was a bit of a letdown for this four-year window, that they didn't get anything out of it. There was no Super Bowl. And, you know, I, I disrespect the talent on the team too much to kind of hold them, at least in the moment, you know, in time, I, it, I might <laughs> soften on this too, but in the moment, I, I respect the talent too much to, to say, well, hey, if they win one playoff game and lose, that, that's, that was a good season. Like, no, they, the, the standard should be that they go – all the way and they, you know, at least make the Super Bowl and they get a shot at it because that's where this team feels like it should have been destined to go and it just hasn't happened yet. But it's like the Bills, you know, they had their their four year window, they couldn't win the Super Bowl. And I think now you look back on it and you're like, wow, that was a really good team and, you know, some stuff happened and you know, that was a st- still a special moment for for the Bills even though nothing came of it, but you don't want to have that that feeling of, you know, trying to find reasons to justify the success or, or to have to explain why it was a good window. You just want to be able to say, Hey, they won a Super Bowl, And that, that was one of the best teams of, you know, the, the 2010s. And if they don't get it, it's going to be hard to, to have that justification, even though things happen beyond their control. You know, I, I'll, I'll die thinking 2017 should have been the year, you know, it, it felt like there was just magic behind that team. And I think you have to have that special feeling and things got to break your direction. And, and they were all year. And, right up until the moment they weren't the next year, 18, that team was even better. They should have won it too. So yeah, I don't know. They, they got to get it going this year. feels like it's never even really started because of the way, you know, the injuries in the off season and Mike Thomas's situation, uh, breeze getting hurt. So (laughs) they're starting the playoffs. It feels like week one of the season. It feels like these last three weeks with breeze were kind of a ramp up, uh, the preseason, but this is again. I'm, I'm following you up with a very long way of getting to my point. I do think that they can get to the Super Bowl. Um, you know, I, I just really think it hinges on Breeze and, and Thomas getting in sync. And the second thing is just keeping COVID out. Like they, if that stays away and they don't come out flat and everybody's on the same page, I feel like they can beat anybody, and, and they should. And I don't think that anybody should lower their expectations. Uh, for this team in the moment in time, it can soften. But I think right now you, you got to look at the Super Bowl and say, you know, they need to get there for for them to achieve what this team should have achieved. Great stuff from Nick Underhill. Uh, if you're not following him on Twitter, do it at Nick underscore Underhill. New Orleans dot football. Plenty of in-depth good stuff there. Nick, uh, for anybody that's on the fence, maybe not sure, because long after the season ends, Nick's still going at it, still doing stuff. And, and bringing you content uh, throughout the year. Just go ahead and let our folks know what they can get over there if they go check it out. We break down everything. Um, You know, I spent the whole night watching the Bears, so I had a story the next day just kind of laying out their tendencies, what they do on each down and distance and all this stuff. And it's just always trying to find a way to cover the team that maybe other people aren't covering the team. And so if you're deep into the football stuff and, and, you know, hearing – Cover two, cover three, uh, quarters coverage, stuff like that doesn't scare you. That's that's I'm the guy for you. So get on the site. Um, I'm always going to work as hard as I can, and the the support um, allows me to do what I want to do. Well, it's been great talking to you monthly, man. Hoping we can do it again in the future. And um, thanks for the time. We'll be reading your stuff, and 
I hope you get to make a trip to Tampa next month. Hey, thanks for having me.